Good morning. Back in August 2005, Hurricane Katrina formed and in less than a week grew from a tropical depression into a Category 4 hurricane. Y'all might remember some of the images that were across the news during that time. When Katrina made landfall in August, on August 29th near New Orleans, it brought widespread destruction and flooding with it. Hurricane Katrina ended up being a large Category 5 hurricane that caused 1,800 deaths, $125 billion in damage, particularly in the city of New Orleans and the surrounding areas. It was at that time the costliest tropical cyclone on record, and I was tied with Hurricane Harvey that was in 2017. It was so destructive, if you remember, because all the levees, not all, but many of the levees um, broke in New Orleans. They failed. When these levees failed, huge areas of the city flooded. Very heavy winds also contributed to the damage, but flooding was the most destructive aspect of this hurricane. Now, some of you also might remember in 2005, St. Francis partnered with our friends, the Dominican Republic, to do a mutual mission in Pass Christiane, Mississippi. Pass Christiane is right across the bay from New Orleans. Pass Christiane was also almost completely destroyed by the hurricane. Out of about approximately 8,000 homes, all but 500 of these homes were damaged or destroyed. We joined God's Katrina Kitchen, where they coordinated efforts to share God's love feed the hungry, and rebuild the community. Now believe this, since Katrina happened, they served over one million meals, housed 20,000 volunteers, coordinated 50,000 volunteers, served 10,000 families through distribution of food, clothing, and household items, assisted 500 households with cleanup and repair, and rebuilt 15 homes and three businesses from the ground up. They did great work. We were part of their mission for a week of feeding the community, cleaning up, and rebuilding. It was an amazing mission, but it was incredibly hard. We'd, we stayed in small prefab shelters that held, held three bunk beds each. Believe it or not, our theme for that week was to abide in Christ. Some translations of this, talks, uh, this um, Bible verses talk about um, abiding as remaining or cleaving. It's the joining together. On this mission, we had a clearer vision to remain with Christ, to abide with Christ, to join with Him in the work that He was being, that was being done, knowing that it would bear good fruit. And of course it did. Despite some very rough conditions, our youth and adults worked hard with long hours and with great difficulty. And the fruit of this work is still seen in the lives of those who went today. You see, when you're abiding Christ, the nourishment changes you and it changes others. I saw some of our youth and adults feeding the hungry, cleaning insulation out from underneath homes, moving debris, and even many of our adults stayed up late, standing guard to keep us safe. You see, Christ is the vine, and God is the gardener who cares for the branches to make them fruitful. The branches are those who believe and remain in Him. The fruitful branches are those believers who by their living union with Christ produce much fruit. Jesus said to His disciples, I am the vine. Abide in me as I abide in you. The gospel and our lessons today remind us whom we belong to 
with a clear and visual image. These lessons call us into a new and wonderful way of living, a way that welcomes the other, that is not done alone, but in community, a way that starts with love. As the Apostle John says, everyone who loves is born of God. As we continue to celebrate the glorious resurrection of our Lord, we are called to bear fruit and become disciples who love. Though it's not always easy. How can we do this when we're still hurting from this pandemic? How can we do this when the news around us leaves us spiritually and emotionally drained? How can we proclaim the good news about Jesus when we think that there is just too much happening around us and in our world? The answer is never easy. And it's not the same. It will vary from person to person. Still, the text, the overall message of this gospel suggests this simple response. We show up. We show up authentically as ourselves. We love others as we have been loved. We speak and act in ways that support this message. Simply, we abide. We remain. We cleave with Christ and Christ alone. In our gospel, Jesus is addressing his followers and us. We see a tender moment between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is giving his followers comfort and encouragement to sustain them through the trying events of the next few days. His rejection, his betrayal, his beating and crucifixion. Twice we see in this passage that Jesus says, I am, reminding them and us that God knows our hearts and that we are connected to him. Last week, we heard that Jesus say that I am the good shepherd. Today, we hear that he is the vine and that he sustains us. Because we are connected, there is no need for us to hide from God, no need for us to hide those parts of ourselves which we are ashamed, no need to hide those ugly and broken parts as excuses for us to stay away from God. Instead, the truth is, that it's those parts that draw us nearer to God. It allows us to come as we are to the Father who accepts us, restores us, and loves us. Abide in God. Remain in God, and you will be restored, and you will bear fruit. Our epistle reminds us that if we love one another, God lives in us. God abides in us. There is no secret we can keep from God, but what is love? Everyone believes that love is important, and of course they're right, but love is actually thought, often thought of as a feeling. I believe in reality love is a choice and an action. If I tell you I love you, how do you know I love you unless I follow it up with some actions? 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a good idea of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. God shows us his love and is the source of our love. He loved us enough to sacrifice his son for us. Jesus is our example of what it means to love. Everything he did in life was deeply and supremely loving. The Holy Spirit gives us this power to love. He lives in our hearts and makes us more and more like Christ. God loves 
God's love involves a choice and an action. And it's been provided for us when we look at Jesus. And John says God is love, not love is God. Our world with a shallow and selfish view of love has turned these words around and distorted our understanding. The world thinks that love is what we, a person feels when they feel good, but that's not love. Real love takes sacrifice. Real love takes the sacrifice of ourselves. It's selflessness, not selfishness. And God is that kind of love. He has shown us that kind of love. God loves, thinks of others. It looks outside of self, not inside at the wants and desires. Real love is demonstrated by God, the sacrificing of his son. We could attempt to define love in many ways. We could provide examples of how we have experienced love, yet it would still not be enough. We could look at our relationships and draw from those, but even then, it would not be a true and certain definition. But we could look at the one who sent Jesus into the world to die for us, to create a clear example of love. Imagine this with me. You walk into a vineyard and you see a lot of activity going on. You see different people caring for the vines and every vine is being tended to. The gardener knows these vines. They know what it takes for these vines to grow. So the vine grower, the gardener, goes to each of these vines and inspects these vines. And some interesting things happen when, you, when a gardener sees these vines. They realize there are parts of the vines that need to be pruned, pulled back for new growth. Oftentimes in our life, I think sometimes we need to think of the gardener in the areas of our life where maybe we too, need, things need to be pruned by our gardener for new growth. Are there areas of our vine or the, our lives where we too need to let God, the gardener, come and prune away things that are pulling us away from our relationship with Christ so that we too can remain in Christ. We too can bear much fruit. When we abide in God, we invite God into our lives, however messy that might be or how crazy it might look to the world. When we abide in God, we are empowered to seek our place in the world by loving God, loving others, and serving the world. As many of us know, this can be a slow and transformational relationship between the vine grower and the branches. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch in our first lesson, we will not always understand. We may ask, how can I, how can I unless someone guides me? These relationships require honesty, require us to let go of all those parts that we think we can hide from God. We need to let go of sometimes of our pride of asking for help. And sometimes that's dif difficult for many. How many times are we afraid to ask, who can guide me? Or even we're embarrassed. But we know that the Father can guide us. We know that there are people around us. If we've learned one thing from this pandemic this past year, it's that we cannot do this alone. We have Jesus' love as an example. And the way he has taken care of us and we see this throughout the Bible where he's taking care of many people. We have Philip's example of love, teaching, sharing about God and baptizing. We have the disciples' example of love by following Jesus, even amid our own struggles, even amid their own struggles. All of these examples are needed. But you know what? We have a world that needs our example. 
They can look into the scriptures. They can hear the stories of those who have abided with Christ, remained with Christ. We can see that in other people, but God calls us to remain with Christ, to be example for others to follow him as well, because they need to see a grace-filled God, a loving God. As God transforms us, we can transform the world. In past Christianity, my good friend John, who at that point was a 35-year-old lawyer, went on this mission. During this mission, as he remained with Christ, he, could, he heard God's call to him to go into the ministry. He's continued since 2005 to, to continue that call to build churches, to, um, and now he's about to graduate um, with his doctorate. And last week, I called him and I talked to him. He was passing through, actually, Louisville, and we met and we were talking about that call. And still today, he talks about that mission. He talks about that calling that he hears as clearly today as he did back in 2005, and he says it with tears in his eyes. A 16-year-old high school girl, woman, young lady who, and the, um, who was on this mission, she abided with Christ with incredible intentionality. She focused in on others, loving them as they had been loved. It was an amazing to see a 16-year-old because at that point, for many on that mission, not just those at God's Katrina Kitchen, but even out in the community, Alex showed up. And she was, she was the one that you would know that was doing all the work she was asked to do. And yet, she cared for the hearts of those around her. She remained in Christ and Christ worked through her. I could tell you story and story again of our youth, but on this, for this mission on, with this youth, there was this tent, red and white striped tent, and I mean, tables galore to feed hundreds. And at the end of dinner, I remember it was about time for worship, and there's Alex and this elderly man, and I wish I could tell you what they were talking about, but I don't think it matters. But what did matter is she was intent on looking at him, responding to him, and at the end of the week, that man found her from the community, came, knew that she was leaving. Once again, I don't know what that conversation was, but it ended in embrace. When you remain in Christ, amazing things happen, fruit happens, and it's not about you, it's about the God who works through you. It's a simple message, but it's a hard message if we fall in the way. Remain in Christ. Alex, she was on this porch of, a, um, of this mobile home, and I remember one afternoon, it was hot in Mississippi in the summer. <clears throat> One, some of our youth, I'd love to say this was me too, but I think I supervised, but they, they were under this mobile home cleaning out um, insulation. They were cleaning the debris because this woman had no family around, and it had been, almost been a year. But there is Alex again, just sitting up on that porch, and all of a sudden, they went inside. I don't know what their conversation was, but I know it was life-giving because she remained in Christ. John says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's the message. When we cleave, when we abide, when we remain with Christ, lives are changed, and sweet fruit is the outcome. This is how we love. And it doesn't take a hurricane for us to be in crisis. Storms are a part of life. Many of us has, have had our own crisis this, this past year. We, we have 
What are we anchored to during these times? How do we abide? How do we remain? If you are not abiding right now, I just want to invite you to cling to Christ. I want you to abide with Christ because God will pull away the things that aren't being productive, that aren't bearing fruit, so that you can bear fruit. So we as a church can make a difference. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen.